Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Trina Hunt's remains have been found near Hope, and the Port Moody woman's death is now considered a homicide. What we're hearing from her family. Plus... I hope everyone understands that uh, I won't be making any additional comments. Canucks right winger Jake Vertanen is on leave after what the team calls concerning allegations surfaced. What we know about the claims and how we can't be prioritized for vaccinations is a little frustrating. Renewed calls for vaccinations as five officers in New Westminster isolate following COVID exposures on the job and the response from health officials. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. We'll have those stories in a moment, but we begin with breaking news. Police are investigating a fatal shooting on the Surrey Delta border right now. Sources tell Global News someone was killed when shots rang out near 72nd and Scott Road. The investigation is focused near a Walmart. A car on the eastbound sidewalk of 72nd Avenue has a yellow tarp on it. Much of Scottsdale Center parking lot is now behind police yellow tape. We'll bring you more on this developing situation as soon as we get it. More than three months after she disappeared, the worst possible outcome is now a reality for the family of a missing Port Moody woman. The integrated homicide investigation team has identified human remains found in the Fraser Valley as those of Trina Hunt. And as Kristen Robinson reports, the missing person case is now a murder investigation. Homicide investigators confirm the human remains found south of Silver Creek in Hope on March 29th are those of Trina Hunt, the 48-year-old Port Moody woman who vanished in January. Foul play is suspected in her death. We're just frustrated that we don't know. We don't know anything. Less than two weeks after Trina's loved ones marked three months of searching, the Ibbitt family issuing a statement asking for privacy as they seek answers. It is with shattered hearts that we let you know that our beloved Trina has been found in hope. And thanking the community of friends, family and strangers for supporting the search for Trina. Your words, thoughts, kindness and outpouring of love are truly what has kept us going these past three and a half months. We need your love and support more than ever right now. The official air and ground search was called off days after Trina was reported missing January 18th. Her husband, Ian, the last to see her in the early morning hours at their home in Port Moody's Heritage Mountain area. When he returned from work, the house was empty. Clean Tech Service Group confirms it ended its relationship with Ian Hunt in mid-March. At the time, Ian prepared a message for staff on his sudden departure. As all of you know, this is a devastating time for me as I try to endure the unexplained disappearance of my wife, Trina. I find myself surrounded by loving family and friends, and I'm grateful for the many expressions of concern and support, though little brings me solace. Although the search for Trina ended outside of hope, the quest for answers is ongoing. No charges have been laid, 
and the integrated homicide investigation team is working with Port Moody police to further the investigation. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Shocking allegations surfaced today against a Vancouver Canucks player. The team saying they benched Jake Vertanen in order to investigate allegations of sexual misconduct. Sarah McDonald has more. For six and a half to go with the... The Vancouver Canucks down a player on their roster this weekend as the team hit the ice against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But this absence isn't due to COVID-19 or injury. Jake Vertanen has been sidelined. The Canucks placing the right winger on leave in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations addressed by the team and coach Travis Green in Toronto on Saturday. I just want to start off uh, by saying that I trust that everyone on the call has... Uh, seen the statement released by the team. I hope everyone understands that uh, I won't be making any additional comments uh, to the statement uh, other than the statement released by the team. The Canucks further elaborating in that statement posted to social media, the same medium where those allegations initially surfaced earlier this week, saying, quote, we have become aware of the concerning allegations made about Jake Vertanen. Our organization does not accept sexual misconduct of any kind, and the claims as reported are being treated very seriously by us. We have engaged external expertise to assist in an independent investigation, and we have placed the player on leave as we await more information. We met with the team this morning, um, did our pre-scout, had a morning skate in which Vertanen was notably absent. Vancouver police telling Global News its sex crimes unit has no complaints involving an NHL player, with BCRCMP not confirming or denying the existence of any investigation. 24-year-old Vertanen, born and raised in BC and drafted by Vancouver in 2014, has not been charged with any criminal offense. Sarah McDonald, Global News. And Barry DeLay will have more on the impact on the Canucks lineup coming up in sports. Provincial health officials have said they're prioritizing first responders to get vaccinated now, but it's not soon enough for one lower mainland police department. Five new Westminster police members were recently exposed to COVID-19 after interacting with a prisoner on the job. Julia Foy reports. All we're looking for is some help from Fraser Health. In the royal city of New Westminster, those that serve and protect are feeling left out of the COVID-19 vaccination plan. We're the only city that I can tell from Whistler out to uh, Chilliwack that has not been vaccinated, and that's police, fire and teachers. In recent weeks, Surrey RCMP members received their vaccines because that city is considered a COVID hotspot in Fraser Health. This is quite a morale boost for our detachment. But just across the river in New West, officers have not been able to get their shots. On Thursday night, what started as a routine arrest turned out to be more serious. Yesterday, when they were beginning their shift, they were contacted and advised that this individual they had arrested was COVID positive. Four, maybe a few more of our officers that were sent home have to self-isolate because of the, the fact that they were in such close contact with an individual that has COVID. Some frontline workers like ambulance drivers and paramedics were in the first wave of shots given out in January. But a spokesperson believes cops should be considered high risk as well. They don't have that protective equipment or that training 
to deal with that. So they're putting put in higher risk situations in, in some scenarios and that's why we've always supported getting them with vaccinations as early as possible. Global News has confirmed that RCMP members in Langley, White Rock, Burnaby, the Tri-Cities, Whistler and Kelowna have had jabs as well as city police forces in Abbotsford and Delta. As for New West, Fraser Health told us Saturday members of the newest Mr. Police and Fire Departments are scheduled to receive their vaccines during the week of May the 10th. Jansen says it can't come soon enough. All we're asking for is for Fraser Health to prioritize the city of New Westminster and get their fire, police and teachers vaccinated. Julia Foy, Global News. UBC has updated its COVID-19 modeling and it shows reason for hope, but don't crack out the champagne just yet. The good news, BC has seen declining cases over the past several days and transmission rates are dropping. The decline coming because of targeted vaccination campaigns, tighter restrictions and people wearing masks and washing their hands. The bad news, the number of new variants is holding close to steady. So the number of people in hospital with COVID-19 is expected to remain constant. If we can hold this for the next month, we're in a really good shape because the vaccinations will start to cause even further declines. And so uh, you know, the projections are pretty much that we're going to have to hold this for all of May. Um, that even the hospitalizations and ICUs are estimated to remain at really at the level that they are now, not to start to plummet. And so we're, we are predicting at least another month of holding constant at this level. BC Liberal health critic Renee Merrifield is facing some scrutiny after comments she made during an interview about what she called preventative measures against COVID-19. It's not the first time the Kelowna Mission MLA has been called out on her views. In November, she apologized to Dr. Bonnie Henry after clicking like on some questionable tweets. Darian Matassa-Fung has more. BC Liberal health critic and Kelowna Mission MLA Renee Merrifield made some controversial statements regarding COVID-19 in a news article. In an interview with Kelowna Now, a local news website, Merrifield is quoted as saying she takes 5,000 international units a day of vitamin D because there's a direct correlation between it boosting your immune system and fighting off COVID. But when Global News put that question to an infectious disease physician back in November, this is what he had to say. I think we have to be very careful about the claims of vitamin D and COVID. I also should preface this with, in Canada, there are lots of reasons to be taking vitamin D, especially in the wintertime, and people should really talk to their primary care provider rather than, you know, hear different claims on the internet about what they should or shouldn't do about their health. So many good reasons to take vitamin D, especially in Canada, especially in the winter, but I would say that it's rather premature to make any connections between vitamin D and COVID-19 outcomes. Maryfield also claims in her interview that she thinks physicians have been reluctant to speak up, albeit about what is not exactly clear, stating physicians have been reticent to speak up for fear of retribution from co-workers, their employers and their own regulatory colleges. Maryfield was not available for an interview but did provide a statement. Fight against COVID-19, there's nothing more important than getting as many British Columbians vaccinated as quickly as possible. I will also continue to be an advocate for healthy living and the benefits that a healthy lifestyle can bring. It is why I'm advocating for a clearly communicated and thoughtful vaccine program, as well as for everyone to register and book their vaccination. Darian Matassa-Fung, Global News. 
Climate change activists back on the streets of Vancouver today to kick off five days of a so-called spring rebellion. Members of Extinction Rebellion occupying the intersection of Granville and Georgia this afternoon, planting a boat right in the middle of it. They say they plan to occupy the space and camp out on the streets for the duration of their five-day campaign. The activists say such drastic action is needed to get governments to act on achieving a stable climate, clean air, water and food. Vancouver police could be seen monitoring the situation. All right, time for a break, but coming up, air tax relief. Mom and pop shops in Vancouver hit with a tax on the airspace over their businesses. Get some good news from the province. Plus. There is that barrier. People are either fearful or they think that nothing's going to happen. Reaction to the province's proposed racist incident hotline and whether it will reduce the barriers in reporting hate crimes. Those stories and more after this break. The B.C. government is giving businesses hit with a tax on the air over their heads, a temporary reprieve during the ongoing pandemic. Some commercial tenants were on the hook to pay the province's speculation and vacancy tax on the empty space above their businesses. Vancouver's Las Margaritas restaurant says it would have cost them an extra $6,000 this year. The tax is designed to open up empty homes for rentals, but it also considers the empty space above some businesses as vacant residential land, even though there are no actual homes above the business. BC's finance minister says the speculation and vacancy tax liability for 2020 will be removed for property owners who meet certain conditions. Our analysis shows that there's fewer than 65 properties that this affects. It's a very, very, very small number of properties. Uh, and uh, we don't think it's fair that uh, that tenants uh, should have to bear uh, the, the, the cost of the the uh, speculation and vacancy tax when their commercial landlord uh, made the choice to initiate uh, and indicate uh, redevelopment of their properties by zoning the unbuilt airspace above their um, commercial, um, I guess, space uh, as residential and then not continue on that path. Well, today marks the start of Asian Heritage Month, but it's been overshadowed by rising anti-Asian sentiment. A 700% increase in reported incidents last year in Vancouver alone. And that has prompted the provincial government to set up an anti-racism hotline. But will that help deal with the problem? Amada Gahi explored that question. Racist behavior fueling despicable incidents like what happened to Stephen No in Vancouver two weeks ago are on the rise in B.C. Uh, I was driving and the car next to me shouted, you effing and threw garbage at my car. He says experiencing such hate is shocking for anyone. And oftentimes what happens next is hesitation in reporting to police. People are either fearful or they think that nothing's going to happen. They don't think that reporting will do anything. They don't think they'll actually get police to come and help and support them. Uh, in British Columbia, we have said a number of times that hate, discrimination has no place. I think as a government, we have a, uh, we have a role, especially our ethical responsibility to bring in concrete steps uh, to combat it. On Friday, the province of BC announced it is working to set up a dedicated hotline for victims to report incidents of racism so they can be documented. We know there's a need for this. Uh, we have seen the rise uh, in the hate crimes, uh, but we also are aware that this is these are just the reported uh, stats that we are seeing. It's meant to fill the void for those with either a language barrier or trauma associated with calling police. The province also saying it is consulting with racialized communities before the hotline is up and running.
Once all of this is collected and, and uh, received, it's very important to actually act upon it so that it's not just simply uh, being recorded and catalogued. So this is the VPD website. Stephen Noe says simply documenting incidents is far from solving BC's racism problem, adding there are also barriers that need to be removed for victims looking for a more urgent response from police. There's absolutely gaps on what the government's saying and what the police are doing. It's like the left hand isn't talking to the right hand. In his case, it was difficult to report to Vancouver police, he says. And now he's calling on the VPD to make the process easier and accessible in more languages. Emadagahi, Global News. Coming up, nursing homes neglected. We clearly did not uh, value our seniors. We did not invest in them. The scathing report into Ontario's long-term care sector suggesting sweeping reforms and who's being blamed for thousands of COVID-19 deaths. Plus... There's going to be a travel restriction starting on Tuesday on the advice of the Centers for Disease Control. Banning flights from India, changes in the U.S. will make it harder for Canadians in that country to get home as India's COVID-19 crisis grows more dire. Stay with us. Ontario had no plan to address the pandemic or protect residents in long-term care. Those are among the findings in a final report from the province's Long-Term Care COVID-19 Commission. Catherine Ward has more on how the facilities were left vulnerable to the crisis and the sweeping changes being recommended. Angelina and Anthony Trimboli had been married for 59 years, a love story marked by meals, family and playing cards. As their health declined, they lived together at one long-term care residence in Toronto. Even before the pandemic, their daughter Teresa says she was never satisfied with their care. My mother was very dirty. Her nails were always dirty. She was always dirty behind the ears. Her face was dirty. There was food all over her. As COVID-19 gripped Ontario's long-term care homes, both of Teresa's parents were among those who died. She questions if other factors were also involved. Yes, he died from COVID, but we think it was potentially neglect and malnourishment. A 300-page report from the Ontario's Long-Term Care COVID-19 Commission released Friday highlights similar concerns, pointing the finger at governments past and present, saying the system in which they operate was at a tipping point. For decades, successive provincial governments had neglected the long-term care sector. The report identifies several issues, including staffing, with challenges around retention, training and wage parity. Adding, with a better inspection and oversight system in place, weaknesses in areas such as infection prevention and control could have been addressed before the pandemic. The report also shares first-hand experiences from the pandemic. One long-term care resident said the treatment was inhumane. Another resident said, I have been in what I call a pandemic prison and solitary since April of 2020. We must stay in our rooms without being allowed a shower. I challenge you to read this report without being moved to tears. I know that I was. When it comes to how the province managed its response, the findings conclude that as COVID-19 played out, Ontario did not have a comprehensive preparedness plan. Rather, it had a series of mostly dated plans that at best offered a partial response to a pandemic on the scale of COVID-19. And that ultimately, in spite of known risks to vulnerable populations, the province failed to prioritize long-term care before the disease had already gained a fatal foothold in homes. 
And now, with more than 80 recommendations from this report, including calls to rethink how the facilities are built, to funding, management and staffing, the goal is to ensure history does not repeat. We have a collective responsibility for it. We clearly did not uh, value our seniors. We did not invest in them. Uh, we didn't invest in their care. And I think that, uh, in our view, I, I would say we all have to do better. Catherine Ward, Global News. As members of India's diaspora here in B.C. grow more concerned for their family overseas, for the first time, new cases of the virus have topped 400,000 people. This as the U.S. gets set to ban flights from that country, which will make it even harder for Canadians there to get home. Jennifer Johnson has more. Day after day, agonizing scenes from India. As the country struggles to get a grip on its COVID-19 crisis, the world is taking note. Fearful infections will spread beyond India's borders. America has joined Canada and other countries in announcing a new travel ban on non-U.S. citizens coming from India. Already one of the COVID-19 variants that originated in India has been discovered in Michigan. There's going to be a travel restriction starting on Tuesday on the advice of the Centers for Disease Control. Our COVID-19 experts, medical experts, our national security advisors. As India's healthcare centers reach their breaking point, the U.S. is sending aid. Two of these military planes left Travis Air Force Base in California, carrying over $100 million in medical supplies, including oxygen, N95 masks, and rapid COVID-19 tests. The right thing I see right now is thousands and thousands of people that need help. No more beds. The aid can't arrive quickly enough as doctors have no choice but to turn away the critically ill. Uh, I get maybe uh, around 50 calls every day. Somebody asking for beds, somebody asking for cylinders, somebody asking for drugs. We don't have anything. Adding to the misery, a fire in a COVID-19 hospital ward in western India early Saturday that left at least 18 people dead. As the death toll mounts, this gravedigger says they have run out of room for all of the bodies. Crematoriums are also running out of wood, so trees and city parks are being cut down and bodies are burned wherever there is space. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. In Health Matters, a single dose of the Pfizer vaccine could boost the immune response to variants in those who were previously infected with COVID-19. British researchers analyzed the immune responses of healthcare workers after their first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. They found that those who had previous mild or asymptomatic infections had significant protection against the B117, first identified in the UK, and the B1351, first discovered in South Africa. These individuals also had boosted B and T cells, which aid in recognizing and destroying cells infected with the novel coronavirus. But those who were not previously infected showed lower levels of antibodies after one dose. Experts say the findings highlight the importance of receiving both doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. And anxiety over immunizations, not the shots themselves, turned out to be the cause of reactions among dozens of people at clinics in five states. That's according to a new report from the Centers for Disease Control. 64 people from five different states reported adverse effects after receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in early April. 
These reactions were separate from the rare blood clotting issues. The vaccine recipients either fainted or reported dizziness, and some even became nauseous, had racing hearts, or experienced chest pain, but none became seriously ill. After conducting interviews and reviewing reports by clinic staff, researchers concluded that it was stress and not the shots that spurred those reactions. Experts say needles make some people nervous, and this could lead to a physical reaction. There's something we haven't seen in a while. Thousands partying at a nightclub in Liverpool as part of a trial run to reopen from lockdown in the UK. It was part of a government-backed initiative to restart mass audience events. An estimated 3,000 people between 18 and 20 danced maskless and in close contact with one another. Participants had to test negative for COVID-19 a day before the event. Researchers will use the data to see how social distancing and ventilation can affect the spread of the virus. All right, shifting gears on the other side of this break, puppy names that start with a P. More than 20,000 kids across Canada submitted their ideas. We'll tell you the winners for this Baker's Dozen of Barking Dogs. Stay with us. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Returning now to our top story, police are investigating a fatal shooting on the Surrey Delta border. Sources telling Global News someone was killed when shots rang out near 72nd and Scott Road shortly after 5 this afternoon. The investigation is focused near a Walmart. A car on the eastbound sidewalk of 72nd Avenue has a yellow tarp on it. Much of the Scottsdale Centre parking lot is now behind yellow police tape as well. Delta police confirm their officers are investigating a serious incident. We'll, of course, bring you the latest on this developing situation as soon as we get it. Well, it is the latest sign that summer is just around the corner. The city of Surrey issuing its seasonal open burning or backyard burning ban. Last year, between May and October, the Surrey Fire Service responded to 335 brush fires and 358 burning complaints. And from January 1st to April 27th of this year, Surrey Fire Services say they've already attended 168 brush fires and 210 burning complaints. The number of brush fires is higher this year than uh, the last few. Um, it's uh, uh, a number that kind of goes up and down with usually weather dependent. And uh, this year we did have a, a warmer uh, spring. So uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, expected to see that go up a little bit. But uh, we do want to let everybody know that uh, they should be uh, not burning in the city. And uh, if they see anything that uh, resembles a brush fire or uh, smoke in the area to definitely call us and let us know. And lawn watering restrictions are now in effect across Metro Vancouver as well. Residents and businesses will be permitted to water lawns up to two mornings a week with designated days determined by property address. Trees, shrubs and flowers may be watered in the morning by sprinkler or any time when hand watered or using drip irrigation. Edible plants are exempt though. The regulations are in effect until October 15th. Oh my goodness. We know the winners of the names submitted by tens of thousands of Canadian kids in the RCMP Name the Puppy contest. We'll have the final picks and more images of these adorable pups just ahead. But first, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. Yvonne, if uh, people are wanting to head out and take their dogs out for a walk, it looks like 
this evening might be a good time to yeah, do it. Yeah, it's perfect out there this evening. It's dry uh, conditions. We will continue to see a similar weather picture for tomorrow. Bit of a blip in the forecast. That'll be in the long range, and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. Gorgeous shot of what it looks like overlooking English Bay. Temperatures are sitting at 14. We've got a southwesterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour, and it could be a bit breezy for a few spots closer to the water as we get in towards late this evening. Gorgeous shot. This was taken in Burnaby today in Central Park, so thank you so much, Adeline, and another great shot taken in Vancouver, so thank you so much, Sarah. Highs today, though, into the interior, still bumped up to 20, areas near trail up to 21 degrees, across the central interior today up to 13, and areas near Metro Vancouver. Our high today was at 15, but away from the water, we got up to 17 degrees. A few clouds out there this evening. It is going to cool off down to 5. For the southern interior, heads up, temperatures will dip down to 2, so there is the risk of frost. By the morning and afternoon, though, we've got a partly cloudy sky and a range in temperatures tomorrow between 15 areas away from the water will climb up to 18 degrees. We've had some instability this evening. This popping up over the last two hours on the satellite and radar, the northeastern corners, a few thunderstorms and similar for areas near the Okanagan. So a heads up, we do still have some instability, risk of a thunderstorm for this evening and then it should start to ease off. In behind it, we've got a nice break. This is what we're looking ahead towards tomorrow and then the next weather maker will be on Monday. So the timeline for tomorrow, it's a partly cloudy sky. More cloud cover is going to roll in. That'll be towards the evening and the precipitation across the south coast will be for our Monday unsettled and then back into some sunshine once again on Tuesday. Now the northern half of the province with that cloud cover temperatures will be at 10 still seeing it unsettled for the northeastern corners even with the risk of a thunderstorm. Much of the central interior underneath the partly cloudy sky temperatures bump up tomorrow across the southern interior it'll remain dry highs near the Thompson for Kamloops even climbing up to 20 degrees. All areas across the south coast we've got a dry day in store we are going to see that rain in temperatures, especially away from the water, getting up to 18 degrees. Blip in the forecast, so a heads up will be Monday. A touch cooler, we do have the chance for some showers, and then it rebounds Tuesday, Wednesday. So it's on and off, but even pleasant tomorrow. Areas away from the water, up to 18. Nithu? Temperatures are going up. I like the you sound bet. of that. Thanks so much, Yvonne. All right, here's your daily dose of cuteness. A newborn elephant walking for the first time just days after its arrival at the Budapest Zoo. Take a look. Mom keeping a watchful eye over her calf as the newborn explored all corners of its enclosure. The older brother also taking interest in the baby and staying nearby. The newborn is the eighth elephant born at the zoo, which has kept large mammals since 1875. And of course, uh, Budapest starting to open things up now during the pandemic. All right, back to these adorable puppies. 13 RCMP pups officially have names. The Innisfail RCMP Training Center announcing the winners of its annual naming contest. All names had to begin with the letter P and be no more than nine letters. Mounties received more than 20,000 entries from across Canada. So here are just some of the winning names. Piper, Pixel, Polly, Phaser and Phantom. Next year, all names must start with the letter R. Oh, they're so sweet. I'm surprised none of the picks were Pfizer. Yeah, we're hearing that, that's true. That one a lot these days, aren't we? Very fitting. <laughs> exactly. All right. It has been a busy day news-wise and in the sports department. Barry, what do you have coming up? Well, first of all, Nithu, welcome to the weekend. Game. Thank Good you. Good to have you here. We're a little off, a little quirky, but I think we'll fit <laughs> in. It's fine. Yes, yeah, uh, not been a great day for the Canucks on and off the ice. Uh, on the ice, just finished up with the Leafs, lost again. So that's four straight for Vancouver as they head home now to play the Oilers four times next week. So we'll have uh, highlights of that coming up. All right, looking forward to that. Thanks so much. Also coming up, he loves food, but nothing smells the same.
gasoline and stale food that's been in the refrigerator too long. Seven months after getting COVID-19, how one of the hallmark symptoms of the virus morphed into something terrible tasting for this man. We'll have his story on the other side of this break. My mom. My wife. For myself. This may walk your own way for the IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. To support people affected by dementia, register at walkforalzheimers.ca. Proudly supported by Global BC. Months after having COVID-19, an Indiana man says he still can't smell or taste the same. The smell of most foods makes him nauseous and some foods even taste like gasoline. For Ryan, right now, the only thing worse than the smell of food is the taste of food. The immediate response is, mm, 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 you know, and you want to spit it out. It's sour, it's dirt, it's mixed with gasoline. It's just one flavor that my brain is being told everything tastes like. It's just this overall gross smell and taste that's kind of around me all the time. It means Ryan's favorite foods don't taste anything like they're supposed to. Like an Oreo cookie. I ate an Oreo cookie, and I love Oreo cookies. So I ate one the other day. It was good on the front taste buds. When it hit the back taste buds, it immediately turned into hairspray. An Oreo cookie an tasted Oreo cookie like hairspray. Started great, and then it just it's like somebody sprayed a bunch of hairspray in my mouth. Ryan got COVID last summer. He lost his taste and smell for about a month, but then they came back. At first, some things didn't taste quite right, but it wasn't until March, seven months after he got COVID, that things started tasting terrible. The tricky part, Ryan never really knows what's going to taste okay and what's gonna make him feel sick. Food is my life, I love food. I love pizza, I love all these things. And he said the French fries had the same flavor as the meatball and the pizza. The mix between gasoline and stale food that's been in the refrigerator too long. Mixed with like a metallic element too. I would go for the healthier stuff that doesn't taste quite so good in that case. All right, coming up, holding on to hope as a community search continues. She's a part of my family, and she's right here with me. A pregnant pup stolen? That's the fear for this family four weeks since their Burmese mountain dog went missing. What's keeping them optimistic they'll get Everest and her puppies back? Stay with us. We want to get BC moving. Move with us each day in May for the 2021 Workout to Conquer Cancer Benefiting BC Cancer Foundation. No matter where you are, we can all move to feel good and support cancer patients in BC. Assemble your virtual squad to support the Ronald McDonald House of BC and Yukon. This may get ready to move a total of 73 kilometers to raise funds for the families who stay at the 73-bedroom Ronald McDonald House. Your contribution directly supports families who are far away from home with a sick child. Walk anytime, anywhere during the IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. Get moving all month long, then join the online celebration on May 30th. Funds raised support urgently needed programs and services to help people in BC with dementia and the family members who care for them. If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to go, it's on the house. Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. 
All right, Barry's back with sports. And Barry, it's been a busy day. We're tracking a developing story involving a Vancouver Canuck. Yeah, serious uh, stuff here, Neithu. Thanks so much. Uh, if you missed it at the top of the show, the Canucks have placed forward Jake Vertanen on leave after allegations of sexual misconduct were made about the 24-year-old on social media. The Canucks have hired from outside the organization to conduct an independent investigation. They say they are taking the situation seriously and await more information. Meanwhile, the rest of the Canucks are trying to find some energy as they close out this season. They've looked exhausted the last week, losing three in a row after going three and one in their first four since restarting their season after the COVID outbreak tonight. Their ninth and final meeting against the first place Leafs. They've split the first eight meetings. Home teams won each of them. Canucks, though, haven't won in Toronto since 2011. Leafs get the first good chance, but Thatcher Demko turns back the league's leading goal scorer, Austin Matthews. But uh, Matthews would get his revenge. Then from a face-off win, Tanner Pearson rips it, posting in. That's a great shot from Pearson, his 10th of the year. Canucks on the board, lead 1-0, but... Matthews does get his revenge, as I alluded to. Mitch Marner to Matthews. Quick release up and over. Demko may have went off the stick of J.T. Miller and in. 37th of the year. 1-1 after one. Second period. Canucks uh, do come out with some good energy. A quick shot from Pearson one more time, but gloved by Jack Campbell. And uh, Pearson thought he had that one. Didn't go, but Leafs will force the turnover on Alex Edler. It's Marner to Matthews again. Number 38 for Matthews has uh, 10 more goals than second place Connor McDavid, and he's got nine of them against the Canucks in nine games. 2-1 Toronto, and the Leafs are back for more. This time, Matthews to Marner, but Demko shuts the door, keeps it 2-1 after two. But early third... Toronto extends the lead. Justin Hall with the slapper deflected in by Adam Brooks. 3-1 Leafs in front. And the Canucks did really seem to run out of gas as the game went on. Another giveaway. Demko stops William Nylander, but Alex Galchenyuk pots the rebound. That made it 4-1. Joe Thornton added an empty netter, and they've just gone final in this. Toronto wins it 5-1. Fourth straight loss for the Canucks as they now head home for four against the Oilers. Habs and Senators, Canadians looking to get a little closer to clinching that final playoff spot in the North. Habs 18th game in 31 days, kind of on fumes early on. Sens did dominate, finally score when Tim Stutzla will score on the wrister his ninth, one nothing after two. And then in the third, Sens on the rush, Thomas Shabbat snapping it past Caden Primo. It looked like Ottawa was going to take this one up 2-0, but give the Habs a lot of credit. They're missing a lot of players, including Brendan Gallagher. But they got Tyler Toffoli. That's his 27th to lead the team. Ties it at 2, sent it to overtime, and then in OT. How is this for your first NHL goal? Cole Caulfield, their first overall pick from a couple of years ago. Habs with a huge win, 3-2. Now 14 points up on the Canucks. Rangers and Islanders. Isles looking for a win that would pretty much end the Rangers' playoff chances. Coquitlam's Matthew Barzell only scores pretty goals. Blazing speed on the breakaway. Quick move to the backhand. That's pretty. It's what he does. His 15th of the year. Isles win it 3-0. They clinch a playoff spot. The Rangers are pretty much eliminated. Tomorrow, the Whitecaps will face Colorado, 7 o'clock kickoff in Utah. The game can be heard on AM 730 starting at 6 with the pregame show. Vancouver has a win and a draw in its first two games, and they did score two against Toronto last weekend, but head coach Mark DeSantos feels his team can do so much more when they have the ball in the opposition's end of the field.
we need work and we're going to improve there is uh, when we have possession in the last uh, in, in the opponent's half. I think we, we need more clarity on, on what we need to do in those areas of the field. So we feel there's still a lot of things to, to grow as a team. And, um, but again, it's, it's better to work that uh, with the two results that we had than with two negative results. English Premiership, first place Manchester City at Crystal Palace. Sergio Aguero hasn't played a whole lot this year because of injuries, but he scores a beautiful one here. It's his last year at Man City. He'll be moving on after this, and what a way to go out as he scores there to make it 1-0. A minute later, Ferran Torres with another beauty as Man City win it 2-0. They can clinch the Premiership as early as tomorrow if Man United lose to Liverpool. The NFL draft concluded today, and Edmonton's Chuba Hubbard was selected in the fourth round by the Carolina Panthers. Hubbard had a fantastic season in 2019 at Oklahoma State when he rushed for nearly 2,100 yards and had 21 touchdowns. Injuries and COVID reduced him to just seven games this past season, but it is a rarity to have a Canadian-born and bred running back in the NFL. Reuben Mays of the Saints is the last one that comes to mind. The Seahawks had only three picks going into this NFL draft, and the first one wasn't until the second round where they selected one of the fastest players available in wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. He's only five foot nine, but the Hawks are hoping Eskridge, along with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, will make Seattle's receivers the fastest in the NFL. The dynamics of his speed, the speed factor, the, the, the track background, uh, that's, that's attractive. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're, our guys are big threats. All our guys run four threes, you know, and, and Tyler and, and DK both run low, low four threes, you know. And so to have another element in there, in there with that kind of speed uh, concerns that you, know, you provide for the opponent, that, that's, that's part of this thinking, you know. Today's 147th Kentucky Derby was back on the traditional date, the first Saturday in May after COVID forced the 2020 version to be run in September. And it promised to be exciting with over 51,000 fans allowed into Churchill Downs. The favorite going in, a gray horse by the name of Essential Quality, who had yet to lose in five career races. Bob Baffert's got that rich man's white hair. Good for him. Seventh Kentucky Derby win. Baseball tonight. Jays and Braves top second. Bases loaded for the number nine hitter, uh, Christian Pache, hitting just a buck 33, but that means nothing when he connects for this one. A 411-foot grand slam to make it 4 nothing. But in the third, this is what Jays fans have been waiting for. George Springer clobbers his first homer as a Blue Jay, taking it the other way to right. Cuts the lead to 4-2, but the Braves lead 5-2 in the seventh. PGA stop this week is in Florida for the Valspar Championship. What a start for Sam Burns playing in the final group on his first hole, his approach at the par five from 238, and he gets all of it, almost holes it out 
for an albatross. Taps in the two-and-a-half-footer for Eagle, and he quickly had the lead. Playing alongside Burns, Keegan Bradley also lands an Eagle on Saturday. Par 5 14th, chips it in from the rough. Both are tied at 14-under, one better than Max Homa. Corey Connors, top Canadian at 5-under, 9 off the lead. And that is sports. Back to you, Nitu. All right, thanks so much, Barry. Coming up on the Global News Hour at 6, we'll tell you about the ongoing search for a puppy that's missing in Prince George. Four weeks later, the family still has hope that they'll be re reunited with Everett and her puppies. All right, this search continues to warm hearts across the province as a family holds on to hope in Prince George. They've been desperately searching for weeks for their beloved dog. Everest went missing just west of the city more than four weeks ago. CKPG's Caden Fanshawe has more on what the family thinks may have happened to her. It's hard to imagine the pain and struggle of the Roberts family, who have not seen their dog Everest in over four weeks. How much do you want Everest to come home? Six million times. A dog which meant a lot to Tally and Leola. She means like she's a part of my family and she's right here with me. But now that she ran away, it feels like she's out in the distance, gone. For the family, Everest was not just a dog, but a huge part of them. When the word got out she was missing, it spread like wildfire and search efforts began instantly. An army of people, drones, and even a helicopter. That was back in early April. Still today, those efforts are ongoing. She's one of those type of dogs that sort of, you know, she's by your side all the time. She's, uh, she's a family dog. She loves our family. When Everest went missing, she was pregnant. By now, she would have had the puppies. It's tricky because um, she, we, we think she could have had a litter of about 8 to 10 puppies. Ever since the one-year-old Bernese Mountain Dog went missing, it's been an emotional roller coaster for the family. Still hope remains for finding her, as social media posts get shared thousands of times. There are worries someone may have taken her. There is an open police file for this investigation finding Everest. Of course, the search started out here in Beaverly, but the family says the dog could be anywhere. Bye now. Hopefully she's probably have with somebody and somebody's looking after her. Um, and for whatever reason they have her, um, we don't care about that. We, we just want our dog back um, and be, be part of our family again because our, our family, since she's been gone, has not been a whole. Caden Fanshawe, CKPG News. Wishing that family the best of luck in Fingers their Fingers crossed and toes. Absolutely. All right, that's it for us on the Global News Hour at 6 for this Saturday. Jordan will be here at 11. Before we let you go, I want to say a big thank you to you, Barry and Yvonne. I'm truly honored to be sharing the desk with you on my new role here on Global News Hour at 6. And to our viewers at home, a big thank you to you as well. Or as we'd say in Punjabi, Thanavad. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great night.